Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. The typical American moviegoer is uninterested in reading subtitles, which means the typical American moviegoer is not aware of cinematic traditions outside the borders of the United States. For this, it's criminal to not be aware of such an important and entertaining movie as A Very Long Engagement from 2004. Our director is Jean-Pierre Jeunet, who's probably most well-known for his slightly earlier movie, Amelie, from 2001, which was a collaboration between himself and a crew he's managed to keep around him for well on to 30 or 40 years now, but centered on the actress Audrey Tatou, who reprises her central role as heroine of this new movie, A Very Long Engagement. The premise is that we are looking at both a romantic story of a woman in love with a man, but also the complicated life of that young man in time of war. The framing device begins in 1920. Matilda, that's Tattoo's character, is trying to figure out what happened to her one-time fiancé presumed to be killed at war during the trench craft of World War I. The young man's name is Manek Langonet, played by Gaspard Ulliel, and what we learn very quickly as the movie jumps off is that Manek, along with four other young men, purposefully maimed themselves in an effort to escape trench war. They were subsequently sent into no man's land between the French and German lines, presumptively to be killed by either side in the conduct of the war. Yet, Matilda believes, for her own fantastic reasons, that he remains alive years after the war is concluded and sets about using her various resources and her will to find out the truth of what happened to him. Spoiler? There is a happy ending. She uncovers that he did indeed survive the war, although not in quite the way that she imagined, and that is the meat and potatoes of the overall story. Important to unpacking this movie is recognizing that, one, a person will be reading subtitles and listening to the French language, which for some is difficult on its face. On the other hand, this movie is organized in a very, very interesting formal way, which is to say, a very long engagement is an epistemological exercise in how we know what we know. That is the basis of epistemology, a study of the bodies of knowledge that we can or cannot trust, which is exactly the adventure that Matilda is undertaking in the course of figuring out what happened to her dear love, Manech. This means we see various puzzle pieces assembled across the two-hour-plus length of this movie as Matilda comes to grips with what did indeed happen to him. There are the five young men who were sent over the line into no man's land. There are witnesses that help send them over the line, the commanders that forced that reckoning, and then various people who were related to these five young men, including family members, lovers, wives, children. All of this mass of personalities, and there are dozens deep of credited speaking parts in the movie, can be difficult to keep track of, which is both part of the confusion of the movie but part of its magic. An analogy might help that we're wrapping a package, a gift we're going to offer somebody else, but the trick is we're going to wrap it in a whole bunch of different similarly colored ribbons. There are so many ribbons, in fact, that it's difficult to wrap the package and figure out which end ties to which end until finally all of the ribbons are tied together in one neat knot. As a narrative exercise, a very long engagement is quite wonderful. 
It does take some work. It does take some patience. And part of that relates to the fact that not only is it a study of how we learn things, an epistemological investigation of the mystery, what happened to Manek and these other young men in no man's land, the various forms of testimony that we witness and we hear reconstructed are all of them incomplete. Only once we hear multiple points of view overlapping one to the other across the length of the movie with various participants offering what they know to Matilda or her investigators, only then do we assemble the whole package of what really happened and come away with a satisfying recognition that all of this, this gigantic box of mysteries inside of puzzles with odd clues, all of it is planned to unravel itself in a very specific way. We also dip in and out of time. The movie is nonlinear. While much of the action is presented in 1920 when Matilda begins her investigation, we bounce around quite a lot, both to 1917 when Manek goes over the line, to earlier periods when Manek and Matilda were children meeting for the first time, and to subsequent activity once the war is done and other characters act on the nature of what happened to these five young men and so on. Privately, she believes in fantasy. She believes in wonder. She believes through superstition and will that he remains alive for really no other reason than she believes it to be true. Among features that make the movie appealing to the casual viewer are its juggling between different genres that are presented on screen. There is some pretty brutally realistic-looking depictions of Warcraft. It's impoverishment of the spirit and the soul as we watch people who are broken by the war and see why exactly that happened. There's also wondrous elements of fantastic romantic love. There's terrific sweeping camera movements from exquisitely well-lit close-ups to swooping crane-based shots that take us across gigantic landscapes and plenty of kinetic movement against physical objects that move quickly, whether that's a train or a car or someone on a bike or a motorcycle. All of these kinetic energies are conducted across the visual frame of the movie to create, indeed, a very exciting-looking movie, even when what we're looking at is quite disturbing, as in maimed bodies. So, this is not a movie for every taste because that juggling pattern of one generic portrait versus another doesn't always settle on one particular depiction of what's really going on, but I believe that's done partly to negotiate the twin pathways of Manek's survival of the war and of Matilda's investigation to find out what happened to him, and also to help us understand that deep beneath the currents of the story, we're meant to know that the human condition is filled with sorrow and great happiness. A sidebar about characterization. We realize quickly that Matilda has a limp, through one of the flashbacks to her childhood, we learn that she was born New Year's Day 1900, making her a really easy birthday to memorize. She contracted polio as a child, lost the use of one of her legs at least partially. She became orphaned when her parents were killed in a bus accident, and she was raised by a kindly auntie and uncle in Brittany along the Horn of France, facing England and the Atlantic Ocean. She has been given 
the gift of affection, and she earned an insurance payout from her parents' affairs, which she uses to conduct her research once she reaches her maturity. Among other features that the casual viewer will definitely notice is the tremendous number of superimpositions and dissolves and interesting visual effects that cause the movie to move forward and shift location to location. There is sepia-tented reconstructions of the past to remind us of earlier features in the movie's storytelling in its narrative that are now being repeated in some way by a new character or a new witness offering fresh testimony to prolong and expand on what we already feel we know about the story that we are experiencing. Above all of these things, though, there's one feature in the movie that really touched me, and here a small digression. I first watched this movie from a borrowed Netflix disc. I think it was in early 2005 when I was dealing with a bout of terrible insomnia related to caring for a child. And I was convinced then that it's a wonderful movie. Having just rewatched it with a live audience, not just myself through an insomnia problem one evening, what I was touched by was the way that the movie presents a doubling in character, in scenes, and in themes, perhaps the easiest to share concerns our central couple, Matilda and Manek. We meet them as children experiencing a meet-cute when she's nine years old, and he is ten. They're leaving the schoolhouse, and she's walking home, and she never once speaks back to him. But what we hear is the following scene. En juin 1909, Mathilde a donc 9 ans. Manek Langonnet en a 10. Ça fait mal quand tu marches Nous sommes un vendredi ou un samedi. Mathilde ne s'en souvient plus. Tu as des amis Do you have any friends? Si tu veux, moi je peux être ton ami. I can be your friend. Do I stink of fish? Ever been to the top of the lighthouse? I can carry you to the top of the stairs. Sitting in a darkened room surrounded by strangers, watching this movie, I was brought to tears thinking about the fragility of this girl who survived polio, walks with a limp, and this boy who wants to befriend her. And how I realize this scene drops into the text, perhaps halfway through, I've already come to know that they are a mature romantic couple, having experienced intimacy and the idea that they will one day marry one another. To see how they became friends as children, and his offer to carry her to the top of the lighthouse, just filled me with all kinds of unexpected feelings. Now, jump to the end of the movie, when finally Matilda does run down this young man who's experienced a form of amnesia, which is one reason why he's made no effort to find her. She approaches through a garden. He looks up, smiles, sees her approach, and he asks, Does it hurt when you walk? We are developing in a time when many of us have great sensitivity to physical differences. And while I applaud all of that in general, there is a way sometimes acknowledging something that is unusual without judgment. That is, acknowledging that something is unusual is sometimes very good, sometimes perfectly appropriate, allowing all parties to realize that, hey, you wear glasses, for example, or, you know, you seem to have a cut on your face. Are you well? Or it appears that you limp. Does it hurt? as in the case of these two young people. This sense of doubling doubles back throughout the course of the movie, enriching the text of a very long engagement and making it a richer, more enjoyable ride.
Let me also just speak about a narrative device, and that is the actual narrator. In this movie, we're frequently interrupted by having a woman narrator tell us things that may not be obviously apparent as we look at what's on screen. For example, the movie, using this narrator to tell us things, will punctuate very sobering, difficult-to-watch sequences with these achronological inserts that tell us background material. Not only does this lighten the mood when the material gets a bit heavy, particularly around the war sequences, but it also helps us know that this filmmaker, Jeunet, is having a good time. He is at play, and we are watching him, his cast, and his crew develop a story that is, from first to last, totally enjoyable, and as I mentioned, for this viewer, quite emotionally rich. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boopity-doo!